Hello, and welcome to the Integrated Business Planning Experience, a podcast where supply chain solution practitioners and thought leaders from business and industry who have been there and done it come together to share insights and advice on all things SAP Integrated Business Planning, or IBP. I'm your host, John Wilson, and I have the pleasure of guiding you through some fascinating conversations about how to unlock the secrets of IBP and how it can help your business. Whether you're a mere cub like me or the leader of the pack, there'll be something here for everyone. Now, this episode is part of our second season, and if you're new to the podcast, please feel free to take a trek into our back catalogue and enjoy the 11 amazing episodes from season one. Now, each episode will also be joined by some fantastic guests to hear real-world use cases of how business is doing integrated planning. Fortunately, I'm not here alone, but I'm on a knowledge safari guided by Mr. Mark Golly, a man whose jungle survival skills when it comes to IBP rival those of Bear Grylls. Welcome, Mark. Well, that'll be your first. First time I've ever been called or compared to Bear Grylls, but I can guarantee you things, John. The one thing I'm not is any king of the jungle. Maybe I'm like the little annoying meerkat, right? So, right? The, like the little brother. Um, who just pokes and prods and annoys everyone till I actually get an answer. So I guess that's my strength um, as an IBP practitioner um, is actually um, annoying Anna um, so much and her colleagues so much, they either just tell me to go away or tell me the answer that I want to hear um, and um, we can take it from there. But i got to say um, the annoying meerkat is my... Um, is my call to fame here. So well, not king of the jungle, I, my friend. I'm not sure that anyone who's listened to the podcast or who's met you in person would <laughs> suggest that in this IBP jungle that a meerkat was probably the first thing they would have picked. But, no, uh, I fantastic. don't think they would have either, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you here again. Now, in this session, uh, Mark and I are also joined by Anna Linden, uh, a veteran of the supply chain planning world, and now the global head of supply chain planning solution management at SAP. Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I made it to season two. This is amazing. And uh, Mark, we still love you, even though you're a little annoying brother sometimes. <laughs> but you do bring us forward uh, like a few other individuals on this planet. So we are really glad to have you in our community. Thank you. <laughs> so Anna, for those who maybe aren't familiar with, with SAP and, and the role of, of solution management, do you want to tell us a little bit about your role and uh, maybe what jungle animal you most identify with? Ooh. So let's start with the easy one. That's uh, what solution management does. And uh, so solution management is kind of the oh. counterpart to product management. In many companies, it's kind of the same role. At SAP, it's split. And uh, while product management is working very closely with the development and very closely um, with our existing customers, um, the solution management is more focusing on bringing new innovations to the market, but then also looking forward into trends, the market, anything where we th see um, the, the, the solutions and the capabilities need to grow to in the mid and long term structure. So we are kind of two sides of a coin with our friends from uh, product management. And um, when we are looking at the um, jungle animal or spirit animal, I think the more strategic answer would be uh, being the tiger hunting for innovations out there. <laughs> but um, honestly, at the bottom of my heart, I really like sloths. 
<laughs> so these are very uh, hanging around animals, and I think they are extremely cool. They have some very cool capabilities to them. Like I read, um, I think last year, that they have antibiotics in their fur, which might uh, lead uh, the humanity to kind of uh, being able to heal diseases based on that at one point. So very uh, full of surprises still, even though they're just hanging around all day. I'm pretty sure my teenage daughters identify as sloths as well by the state of their bedrooms, but you know. Excellent. Well, welcome to the podcast, Anna. Great to have you here. Um, if we look back at uh, some of the guests that we've had, you know, we've, we've talked to people from many diverse organisations all across uh, as Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and hearing about their their fascinating journeys and success stories across all these different industries and use cases, you know, we've we've talked about you know nuclear medicine, we've talked about agriculture, uh, we've talked about life sciences. Uh, it, it really looks like uh, SAP IVP is being used to deliver great outcomes in so many different industries. Now, you, you have a, a much more sort of global perspective. I mean, how broad is the geography and in the industries that, that IBP is, is reaching to? Yeah, so it's, um, it's huge. And honestly, we are extremely proud that um, actually since Friday, we have welcomed our 1400th um, IBP customer to our mm -hmm. round. So we have uh, quite a quite a large uh, customer round. It's completely global. So we are catering to all regions and, um, you know, from mid-sized companies serving specific markets to the very large enterprises with the most complex supply chains that you can imagine. And all of that across, I think, 25 industries is the last count I've seen. So from discrete to process, from high tech to mill and mining, it's all in there. And um, I've looked up some uh, interesting statistics that might um, might be enjoyable here. Um, and so IBP at this point is running uh, 115,000 miles of rail globally. So from the Swiss rail to the Canadian to the US, um, maybe some more rail companies are looking into this right now. Um, then uh, 25 million French fries are produced with, um, with IBP each year and um, I think 4.5 billion gallons of milk. And as a German, what I'm very proud of is 35 billion pints of beer per year are produced with IBP. <laughs> so, you know, we are not only planning the supply chain, but we are also making sure there's food, beer, and milk uh, coming through the railway. Uh, and, all, um, the yeah. food, all the five food groups. All yeah. the good stuff, yes. <laughs> yeah. Everything yeah. you could possibly need. Yeah. Yes, and uh, if you want to top that, uh, so we are celebrating this year. So IBP turned 10 years old last June, or this June, so some weeks back. And yeah, for SAP, it's quite the success story. So um, we've really completely started from scratch, natively developed it for the public cloud. And you know, it really started with a sales and operations planning pilot back then, and it really grew into, you know, a, a, a really an advanced planning solution that can run multi-echelon inventory optimization, machine learning based demand forecasting and sensing, supply network planning, response management, deployment, load uh, optimization, and all the, you know, synchronizing use cases, risk production scheduling. So it's really from zero to a modern planning system that is leveraging artificial intelligence and all the good stuff that you are looking for when you're looking after a new planning system on your own. 
So really yeah. proud. SAP is really proud of that solution. There's, there's no doubt that that uh, IBP is is definitely a success story. I think it's you know the fastest ever <laughs> planning solution that uh, that SAP has has had as well in terms of adoption and yeah, and like you say, so many so many great success stories across uh, all those different industries. But you you mentioned something there. You know, you talked about artificial intelligence and. I uh, just want to pick up on that. I mean, you you can't go anywhere now with, you know, hearing about, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence. It's in so many, you know, uh, not only customer conversations, but in the general sort of media. You know, are you able to tell us a little bit more about, you know, what, what SAP is doing uh, in that space with IBP? Yeah, so, I mean, as you said, right, artificial intelligence is the topic right now, um, mostly driven by the chat GPT. So that came out last December were to be tested by everyone, right? So I'm sure everyone has kind of tried it out at one point to to create blocks or and other creative things with it. Um, but this really brought um, like generative AI or artificial in general back to the front and center mind of, of many people. And um, brought also like the opportunities that like generative AI, large language models really promise to everyone, right? Um, SAP has very large teams bringing use cases for the corporate world to life um, so that enterprises um, are able to leverage technology um, like this and, you know, really raise also their profitability with um, with these new technologies um, while making sure that they are stay, staying safe with their data. So there are obviously sometimes security constraints um, around this, but also uh, staying ethical with uh, their employees when uh, they are using these uh, modern technologies. Um, so we are not just opening up business applications for opportunities to come, but we also make sure um, that we are actively detecting and minimizing the risks from that technology. And um, we are teaming also here up with Microsoft uh, so we have announced that partnership uh, during Sapphire conference this year. Um, so it's quite exciting times when it comes to machine learning. And IVP has uh, already started to embed a lot of the, the, the um, artificial intelligence stuff within its solution. So we've, from one of the first releases onwards, we really started to invest here. Obviously not in generative AI, that's uh, quite new, but um, there's a huge set of embedded machine learning AI capabilities, which really offers immediate benefits to the customers. So, I mean, the classical one we all know is forecasting. That's kind of one of the most prominent use cases. Um, one of the uh, algorithms we are using here is, for example, machine learning. Uh, uh, sorry, machine learning, which is based on uh, the gradient boosting algorithm. And uh, that can com com uh, like basically compute very accurate forecasts from large amounts of input data. Um, so maybe one customer example here, we have a customer uh, who is leveraging, I think they are using 30 input variables from you know marketing data, promotions, investments, and so on uh, within one model. And they're achieving over 90% of accuracy on brand level here. That is quite impressive and uh, important in the outcomes users, right? So acceptance and trust in the results is a key to adoption of machine learning use cases. We're also supporting them here with, for example, explanation uh, capabilities for the user so that we really build the trust here. And, um, you know, you can look further ahead. So, for example, why not use machine learning to keep alerts relevant to the users? That's something we have already added a couple of years back. So with embedded machine learning, you can dynamically adapt the alert thresholds so that over time the alerts stay relevant 
to the users. That's something we have seen um, is uh, quite quite an important uh, task um, compared to, to previous planning systems where there was a huge amount of alerts. No one was looking at them at one point because they really became irrelevant to the users over time with changing parameters and so on. And then, I mean, if you're looking at the, the newest edition here, uh, it's basically around master data quality. That's a very interesting case. Um, and one of the key challenges customers are facing today, right? So IBP is a standalone system. Um, so a lot of the master data comes from various systems and is entering IBP. And we all know, let's say good data in, good data out. You can also turn that around. Um, so, but it, um, what we did uh, earlier this year is um, we added a machine learning algorithm to detect anomalies in the master data within IBP and uh, with that help users to clean up and make sure the quality is good. And end of this year, we are planning to run uh, or to, um, to then also ship an automatic correction of the anomalies in master data. That will really help to drive an automatic process to help clean the master data for the planning pur uh, purposes. Uh, that's a very interesting area and uh, also something that, you know, is sometimes not usually associated with machine learning. And then obviously, um, you know, when you're looking at the outside world where you can run your custom algorithms, for example, in Python and R or Profit, for example, um, those are also tightly, uh, tightly integrated um, in the forecasting process within IBP. And what we are doing here, we are basically offering a best practice content via the discovery we are the discovery center um, to get to get you kickstarted. So we have customers also running their very complex custom algorithms on an external platform and then incorporating that in the end-to-end -end planning process with SAP IBP. So a lot of cool stuff out there, um, or rather not out there, but embedded within IBP um, and uh, yeah, try it out if you haven't done so already. So I think worth worth taking a look at at this point already. And I think that's a great point that you make there. You know, it's not a separate topic, but actually embedding, you know, those capabilities into the solution. So actually, you know, existing customers for IBP can can start using those capabilities uh, today. And as you mentioned, there's lots of different lots of different uh, use cases. Uh, I'm sure there'll be more more coming as well. Um, Mark, you know, I believe, you know, in your previous role, when you were on the customer side, you were involved actually in developing some machine learning scenarios in collaboration with the SAP team. Did you want to tell us a little bit about what you did there? Yeah, thanks, John. Um, let me first say, I, I think that, yes, I was um, um, involved in some um, uh, customer engagement initiatives, but this particular example I'll share with you all, uh, come about through um, being curious with um, the inventory guys. Um, and uh, let me first say that um, these particular opportunities are actually open for not just me, but um, or people with um, um, the annoying little brother habit um, of just bugging people. They're actually available for everyone. Um, you just need to reach out to your customer success partner to put you in touch with the right person in the product management or product development team, and you just take it from there. But the example of working closely with SAP in the um, ML AI space um, was relating to um, help fine tune the um, ML AI lead time model, um, which through the machine learning algorithm shows how you can predict the variation in transportation lead times by leg so that you can better predict um, 
when goods are arrived or have the right um, inputs from a um, inventory optimization perspective. And this um, ML model um, has multiple applications um, that are, like Anna said, embedded right now, for example, um, to validate transportation lead time as master data in ERP systems to validate that there's any discernible seasonal transportation lead times to understand whether um, the within week and weekend impact on lead times. And it can also be used as we used it to, from an IO perspective to understand and calculate under transport lead time variability. Right? So that's just one example um, of being able to use, uh, being able to work with SAP on, on their um, um, AIML models on non-standard use cases, and they're always looking out um, for that. But not only does it have applications for right now, it's got future applications as well, like, for example, challenging the static nature of the master data from a transport lead time perspective and using um, the, the, the AI um, ML um, investment that SAP are making. And it, it is simply all about examining the non-standard use cases and making them relevant um, for people. So, and from my perspective, um, yeah, um, that's how um, um, we have partnered with SAP uh, to bring um, an existing um, uh, use case to life. I think that there's probably plenty of customers out there who have, you know, those, you know, different, like you say, those different scenarios uh, that, you know, hey, would reach out to, to the SAP team, share your scenarios, and uh, maybe we can work together to uh, to help, you know, uh, address those using, uh, using IVP. I mean, one of the things, I guess, that, you know, when people talk about, you know, sort of machine learning and artificial intelligence is, is really around, you know, how do we, how do we automate, you know, more processes? How do we reduce the need for human intervention? Uh, this, this, this nirvana maybe of, of touchless planning. Uh, Anna, I mean, are you hearing these calls for, for more uh, automation and, you know, what, what can you tell us about what you're working on in that space? Mm, yeah, that's a very interesting one. Um, so, and we do hear a lot of calls for more automation or, and also asked how to get there, right? Um, so it's not an, you know, it's not a switch that you, you can turn on and then suddenly your process is automated, unfortunately. But there are a couple of variables, at least from my perspective, some key things that need to be there in order to automate a process. So for, first of all, you need a planning system that can provide a good result uh, in complex environments, you know, taking more and more data and influencing factors from the inside and but also from the external world into account. So that's kind of one. So you need to some, a, a, something to actually compute a good result in an automated fashion, right? So you need a system, then you need the trust in the results from the people who are involved. That's a big factor. And then you need it actually, and that's kind of the key enabler and underlying process that allows to synchronize and automate. So it's really a lot about change management. So you see, for example, technology like machine learning that we touched upon earlier um, is one aspect, right? So, but it will not lead to automation if the trust and the process is not in place. Automation really requires you to actively drive um, 
your view, your people, your processes really forward. Constant improvement and challenging the status quo is what drives automation. And um, where a lot of the, let's say, automation-wise, more sophisticated companies stand is a partial automation. They've automated, for example, uh, most processes that are run by algorithms, heuristics, optimizers, whatever, um, like, for example, demand forecasting, inventory optimization, supply planning, optimization, um, and they have moved to a really exception-based planner interaction. That's kind of the, the realistic goal of today. So if you are looking at forecasting, for example, let's use the example from before. So with a good segmentation, so we're really segmenting the different uh, forecasting um, areas in your in your company, well-built models, um, it is possible today to run a very large portion of the forecasting without manual input. Um, completely automated no that's why we need the segmentation to pinpoint where we want to planners the planners to focus their time on right um, and if you're asking me is it possible in all industries likely also no so there are, there are some industries where um, the planning data is uh, is probably more um, more reliable towards an automated approach than in other industries. But I would say that most industries can partially automate at least the forecasting process uh, and also, for example, inventory management processes and supply planning processes. Um, and we also, I mean, yeah, you, you've mentioned the human factor before here, right? So uh, automation is really not about replacing people, at least not from my perspective. Um, in times of skill shortage, uh, we need to make sure that we use the people that we have in the most profitable way. Um, that's really what we hear from the customers. It's really hard to get highly skilled uh, people and employees to run the planning processes. So automation can help to analyze where interaction is needed and where it's not needed. And in the end, that helps the entire enterprise and the people working for it. So this, and then the next question is, you know, does the skill sets need to change with that? And here again, the, the my answer at least would be, is that likely um, as also the process and the tasks are changing. Um, so while you're thinking about automation, streamlining your process, uh, you know, part of the change management is also training so that the planners are able to tackle the challenges of the time and uh, also be ready for the automation in this case. Absolutely. It's interesting. It, it, it really, I feel there's a lot of parallels here between actually introducing an integrated business planning process. And Mark, you and I, you know, in a number of the conversations that we've had already, you know, this season, you know, that, that introduction of integrated business planning as a process and as a technology, you know, introduces a lot of change and, mm -hmm. you, know, you, you know, changes the roles, you know, the, and the skills that you need. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess this is kind of the next evolution of that, you know, that as, as we move, you know, once you establish your integrated business planning process and your platform, and then you start to introduce more machine learning, more, more automation, you know, then you have a, a, a another change management sort of journey to go on to bring your, your planners, you know, to build that trust, you know, so that they don't revert back. And, and then, and then once you've established it, you know, then keeping that, that capability, you know, that, that continuous improvement, keeping that capability current. And um, Mark, what, what do you see as some of the challenges here as, as we move, I guess, from maybe a more manual integrated business planning process to a more automated one, mm. um, does the change management journey change? 
What a great question to start with. Um, no, I think the fundamentals are, are pretty much the same in terms of change management. And, um, but um, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm so thrilled with what Anna's just um, spoken about because you know, everything that I'd written down, for example, is that she's already covered. So, but um, from that perspective, how do you bring them along from a change management question? Well, first and foremost, you know, asking them to come along on a journey shouldn't be a surprise for them. You know, it shouldn't be the first time you've discussed it with your team. Right? It, it, this is a conversation that has a natural evolution within continuous improvement programs. Right? So uh, as you're starting to unpeel the onion that is, um, that is IBP and get more into it and wanting to get more value out of it, you're exploring new capabilities and new functionalities and quarterly updates that bring new and exciting things um, um, for the users. You should be all um, a good continuous improvement program from us um, from an IVP perspective. Should always be challenging themselves about what's next, what's next, what's next, and having that conversation as a team um, um, about what's next is really critical for the adoption um, and um of um any um particularly um, any ml or, or automated um, um system so for me it's also not something something not to be done lightly and needs to actually you don't just do it because it's the trendy thing to do right um and for me it needs to solve a problem right that can't be solved by uh, humans um, or human effort um, in a timely way um, so it solves, it helps um, address a specific problem. I like the term rather than um, AI, I like the term actually augmented intelligence, which is a subset or a half step of artificial intelligence. Much like machine learning, it actually assists users in data intelligence, patterns, connections that may not be visible to humans you know, to start with, right? And I think that. Um, moving towards that is a series of small steps you know first and foremost define the problem right? what a problem are you trying to solve engage the team and show how ai ml can help right? importantly get hands on get them into the systems get them using get them trying let them test and fail right? um, but importantly let them see the benefits um, of it by using it and let them get excited about it and be curious about it. Run it in parallel to keep tuning it. Right? And when you do that, you build that trust right? over time. You're not going to turn it on and it'd be perfect straight away. Right? But at some point in time, they, it'll converge with, you know, and then suddenly get better than your existing, and that's when the trust starts to improve. You trust and monitor it. And like we spoke um, in one of our episodes, John, um, with with Bega, is about um, um, using lean principles um, at every step um, involving the team in plan, do, check, act. So how do you stop them from going? Plan, do, check, act at every stage of the change. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting because 
I guess, you know, what we're also seeing is as as we start to automate, you know, we maybe look at those kind of core processes that, you know, you typically start with, right? Demand planning, you know, demand sensing, you know, supply and response planning, you know, those kind of core core sort of scopes. But I guess now we're starting to see people looking at you know, those extended planning scenarios, those opportunities to take data from, from multiple sources. And Anna, you mentioned, you know, 30 different you know, different parameters. Uh, but Anna, are you seeing, like, I guess, customers looking at, at their, their end-to-end planning scenario and going, right, well, I'm, I, need to, I need to be bringing in data from other sources. I need to be sharing that data to other places. And maybe, you know, are you able to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the, the scope areas where you see integrated business planning sort of branching into and, and some of those use cases that others are exploring? Sure. So uh, that's basically the process side of this whole automation, right, where we are seeing um, that customers are really expanding their planning and they're most looking after synchronization of business decisions. So it's not only the process, but really the decisions which need to be synchronized and extended. Um, And basically across the usual silos that we know, right? So this is changing from this traditional approach where you have demand planners, inventory, supply planners, and then production planners, and then transport planners, that um, you're basically, yeah, Bringing into the crowd, bring the crowd in into your your planning horizon, and uh, at least make them aware what the decision or the effect of the decision has on the on the subsequent um, planning uh, planning uh, departments, for example, right? So we are basically uh, trying to involve more the financial planning, uh, the logistics operations, production planning, scheduling, asset management, uh, for example. Um, and then we are also looking um, across enterprise borders to involve the ecosystem. So classically, we know, you know, bring in your suppliers data, but also contract manufacturers. And what's kind of a trend right now is also to look more at the logistics providers um, so that also they are natively a part or their data is natively a part of the planning process. So if I might name three key use cases that I'm seeing right now. Um, so I would, for example, uh, name uh, extended planning and analysis or XPNA. that's kind of a term under which um, like a large amount of uh, some core enterprise planning processes is is uh, is uh, summarized um, and under this um, this hood so under this extended planning and analysis hood uh, it's basically where uh, financial planning is at the center and then this spans and orchestrates other areas like for example supply chain but also workforce or um, manufacturing or um, other you know that's kind of a whole whole enterprise uh, house out there which kind of where where financial planning process at the center um, it's not new but uh, the focus of the customers uh, of our customers right now is on this topic and it's uh, quite a high focus right now uh, given also maybe the economical um, distress that we are seeing in many in many regions at this point and the interest really goes way beyond the usual visualization of an annual operating plan and supply chain or you know some basic financial kpis that are used maybe in planning or just visualized in planning to see if you're meeting your targets but it's a really interesting topic where we have a lot of uh, content out there also you know blogs webinars best practice content and where we are really looking beyond these basic use cases to really enter and collaborate enterprise planning with, the finance, with our friends from the financial planning side. 
Um, that's one very big area right now where we see an expansion again. And then the other one uh, I'd like to mention is the logistics part. So it's super interesting. So for example, uh, you can incorporate today the real-time logistics information into supply chain planning. Um, that's one example that we delivered last year. So uh, what we did here, um, so you know, data providers um, are out there that you know center around logistics information. To name a few, for, uh, like Forkites, Project 44, Shipeo, um, they're kind of visibility providers who can uh, track together with the SAP Business Network for Logistics, um, they track shipments for, across the entire document flow. So from the inbound delivery to the freight order that's associated to it, to the container and the, you know, the ship on which the container is, um, is on, and they can calculate the expected time of arrival. Uh, based on the real-time information they have from the shipping and from the from the ship or the rail or from the truck, um, and uh, you know the um, on the supply planning side, so within SAP Integrated Business Planning, the expected time of arrival is used in heuristics and the optimization steps, and it's a core input factor. And right now, it's largely wrong. Um, so it's really it's like you know it's it's part of the inbound delivery. Um, um, document right and it's always wrong because the world outside is changing ships are late railways are late uh, the border is uh, is closed whatever and with an updated uh, ETA date uh, we can really significantly improve the planning results and make them more realistic and help also companies to find alternative plans way ahead of time and that is at then really a competitive advantage that we are seeing here just by knowing real-time information and kind of syncing the external world to our planning system. So that's really a very cool use case. And then maybe something that is seeing high interest and might be a little bit of a lower hanging fruit for some customers is, uh, for example, to improve the collaboration between supply planning and the spare parts and resource planning. So this can be done within SAP IBP. So we're offering capabilities here to avoid uh, asset outages, reduce the working capital of spare parts inventory and so on. So three different areas from finance to logistics to spare parts. Um, just to name a few, there's obviously more, but Synchronizing business decisions across all of these uh, different areas is uh, one of the key tasks customers have uh, are seeing as their their goal this next year. I would say. Yeah, I really love that idea that you know that planning isn't just you know it's not an activity that you you undertake and then you do your decisions and then you, you know you go execute, but actually you then you have that feedback from from the execution you know feedback from your financial planning feedback from logistics feedback from your assets that then is actually improving that planning process and providing data into it you know so really you know creating that that closed loop you know and then you know like you say going collaboratively actually out into your your supply network uh, as well so you know bringing all of those things together uh, you know becomes less maybe less planning, more more orchestration then, and, and like you said, decision-making. Yeah. You know, maybe that, maybe okay. the in integrated business orchestration is the, is where we're heading here. <laughs> but, that uh, but sums Anna, it up perfectly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, I mean, besides automation and, and, you know, some of the areas that you, we've just talked about, are, are there other kind of strategic directions that, you know, uh, that maybe you can share or in, in terms of, you know, some of maybe the more medium to long-term things that we're, we're thinking about as well? 
Yeah, maybe one um, very strategic topic we are seeing uh, where there's also quite some interest from, from the customer side and where we are investing heavily right now is the topic of risk management. Now, that might be fueled by all the disruptions and all the uncertainties we are seeing uh, in the last years, but customers are really focusing on this more and more. Um, and this has a couple of stages, right? So, for example, first step could be managing the risks within the planning process. Um, classical, you know, safety stock levels, forecast accuracy and bias, capacity utilization. Um, there are indicators within your planning system if there is a risk associated to any of these, right? So you can basically track, um, but then also, you know, monitor the, like the outcome on management level. Um, in the best case, you also have an actively active project to improve these supply chain KPIs. Um, so that's kind of the very first easy step. Many customers right now are calculating, for example, the forecast accuracy, but few are actively driving um, the accuracy here or trying to actively improve every every month and every year the, the forecast accuracy. Uh, so what we did is we've delivered some best practice content around it last year, and this also maybe helps to kind of start the conversation within companies, how to best structure such a risk management dashboard, how to actively drive, which KPIs might make sense and so on. And this will be then enhanced um, early next year so in Q1, hopefully it's planned, uh, with a custom integration and custom content for external risk information. So, for example, information about hurricanes, fires, floodings, geopolitical risks, and so on, cyber risks. There's a whole uh, bunch of external risk factors that are available on the market. Um, and this data, in our case, uh, so we've teamed up with a partner of ours, everstream.ai. And what we are doing is we harmonize that data towards our data model, so namely IBP locations. And with that, we make it relevant for supply chain planning. So we are incorporating the risk, but we also associate them to a certain location, either your own location, your own data uh, uh, distribution center, production location, whatever, um, or uh, maybe also uh, some strategic locations of your suppliers, which could also be interesting to know about if there is, for example, a storm going through or if there was an earthquake blocking the uh, transport routes uh, in and out of a certain warehouse, for example. And then as a third step, and that's where it's becoming um, more like future looking or like not future looking in, in sense of this is a vision, but more looking at the strategic forward looking risk management, right? So here we've teamed up with a partner called Cosmotech. It's a French startup. And what they do is they are do, doing basically a crash test or crash tests on the supply chain. Um, so we know these crash tests from cars where they're trying to figure out uh, under which force a human dies or gets severely injured. And you can kind of translate that also to supply chains where we are trying to find out where and when certain components of a supply chain break. So under which load, for example, or under which load of disruptions would a transport lane break? Um, and they do that with simulations based on the digital twin data from SAP IBP. So you see there are very interesting areas around risk management and we see a lot of movement here and uh, these are really driven also by the availability of this real-time external data at this point yeah and also you know newer technologies better um, capabilities to process all of this data um, so again it's a competitive advantage for our customers to really have active programs around this in their supply chain planning process
That's one example. The possibilities here are are kind of endless, aren't they, really? I mean, you know, we've gone from, you know, really taking, I guess, an internal view of of planning to then, you know, sort of bringing in external sort of data sources. And then, yeah, you start layering then in in risk and then starting to simulate, you know, where are my where are my weak points? Where where, you know, where are the things that I need to focus on? It's. Oh, it's tremendously exciting! Like what? What's the possibilities that this could unlock in the future? So, thank you so much, Anna, for those uh, mm-hmm. those insights. Mark, uh, you know, we're we're getting near to the end of uh, of of uh, this session, and actually to the end of this podcast series as well. Um, mm-hmm. Any any thoughts on what we've been talking about, and you know, any last words that you would want to share? Well, first of all, the, the the first word that comes to mind is remarkable. And thank you, Anna, for sharing um, the um, the current vision and the future vision of SAP IVP. And um, it's uh, it's an exciting time to be an IVP um, practitioner and an IVP customer um, um, with all the um, work that's going on to not only uh, drive value. Um, um, out of the tool, um, but also uh, to help I um, help identify those risks um, as well. So um, remarkable and exciting, um, and can't say thank you enough to to Anna for sharing. Uh, what a remarkable episode! Um, so that's, um, that's 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 my job, Mark. To oh, to... sorry. Yeah. <laughs> It's about time I turn the tables, John. You know this was coming, so you know. Um, but um, I, yeah, I mean, Anna, what a great, uh, what a great message uh, to all the IBP community out there, and something that the team teams can get very excited about as well. So um, that's for sure. But I did want to say, for... yeah, that's all right. Sorry, Anna. I just want to say thank you for having me and letting me, you know rebel about all the the exciting stuff that's out there um, I'd I really enjoyed the po- John, I, so. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the podcast so far very cool content in there and lots of good stories no it's been fantastic to have you on and uh, great insights uh, and thank you also to Mark uh, you know it's been a really great discussion, a great way to, to I guess, to wrap up um, this season of the integrated business planning experience. You know, we've shared so many interesting stories and uh, and insights. You know, the journeys haven't always been been easy. There's there's all, always some challenges in there, and couldn't let the podcast finish without you know quoting a little bit of uh, of Taylor Swift, right? Who was no doubt thinking about an IBP journey. When she wrote, you know, ask me what I learned from all these years, ask me what I earned from all those tears. And I think, you know, the the the, the conversations that we've had and some of the stories that we've shared, there's been some great learnings and, you know, we've seen some tremendous value also being earned uh, by, by the customers. Uh, look, I, I really hope that we're going to be back soon, um, sharing some more stories, uh, some more insights uh, into the value of integrated business planning uh, and into the, the role that SAP can play there to, to help. Uh, but until that time... Uh, Hang on to... a minute, Mr. Wilson. Oh. Don't get away with it that easily. <laughs> Your good effort, I will give you that, all right? But before you sign off, I've got some questions for you. 
Oh, no. So, as a community, um, and over 16 episodes, we've covered everything from chocolates and unicorns, right, to augmented reality. And my hope is that everyone, uh, that this has been a worthwhile exercise. And we've been blessed by two sensational hosts. Um, and yes, that means one of them is you, John, right? Um, <laughs> 12 plus experts who have given up their time and expertise to help others. It's a privilege and an honour that I don't take for granted. Um, and whatever happens next, it has been fun. But I wanted to leave um, the last word to you, John. Right? Um, as someone um, aware of IVP, but not an expert in it, and has graciously given up your time to host, my question is twofold over this season. Can you share with us what you have learnt about IVP that perhaps you didn't know before? Right? And how would you describe the SAP um, global um, IVP community? Let me start with the second, uh, the second part because I think that's probably the the easier. I'm I'm staggered by the the IBP community that uh, that yourself and Anna and you know, I guess I'm part part of as well. Yeah. Um, just the willingness of that community to um, to share their stories, to share their successes, to share their challenges. Uh, you know, it is it is absolutely phenomenal, and I think you know there there is a real uh, sense community is the right word. A real sense that everyone, whilst they all have their own organisations and their own, you know, particular challenges that they're working on, that willingness to share and to help try and help others by uh, by sharing those experiences. So, uh, absolutely stunned by by the community, and I think it's credit to you know, particularly to yourself, Mark. You know, you've been a kind of an instrumental member of uh, of that community for many many years. So. Uh, it, it's a testament to the, all the great work that yourself and, and others like uh, like Anna and people like Adam Piana and others who have, have been very active uh, in the community here. Um, so firstly, uh, <laughs> well done for that. Uh, and then in terms of what I've learned, I guess what's really surprised me is the is the breadth of, you know, the the different problems that are being solved with integrated business planning, whether it's, you know, something you know like a simple sort of demand forecasting but all the way through to you know recovering from disasters or you know managing things like nuclear medicines you know they, it seems to really be the a kind of swiss army knife that is able to turn its its attention and, and bring value to so many different scenarios so many different use cases and we've obviously talked today about you know some of the some of the ones that you know that are coming in the future as well so just that that ability you know to to really add value in so many different ways is something that has uh, that has really surprised me actually and and one thing i've really enjoyed in in all of the conversations is uh, is exploring all of those those different ways that it's being used and every story is unique you know every the way it's been implemented the uh, the approach even within the within the projects you know the yeah. Uh, 
Um, and and also uh, the the results, uh, you know, the the way that you know you've had to to manage the change. Um, that that was probably the other big thing that came through for me is how important the people side is. And I think there was one session was not everybody successfully you know comes on the journey. There's some people who put their hands up and just say, hey, this is this is not for me, right? Like I'm I'm I need to move to a different role and make way for for a new generation of of planners in our organisation. And then things like that really struck me, you know that. Um, so then, you know, the, just the, the the breadth, the 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 broadness of approach, uh, and you know, and and the value, you know, the the different value cases um, and and benefits that that have been delivered, uh, it's it's quite staggering, even just in the small number of stories that I've I've had the privilege of uh, of sharing and, and being part of. Um, you know, so you know, it's something I, I really look forward to to hearing more about, and, and hopefully uh, we can continue uh, in this community uh, in another season as well. Well, thank you for that. And just before I let you sign off, I did want to say uh, thank you to the back office team, right? Um, uh, to Patrick um, and the regional um, customer success partners team who have helped pull this whole series uh, together. Thank you. Um, the amount of um, over and above effort you guys put in, um, I can't um, thank you enough. Um, it's been fun, um, and I hope that you've had um, fun with it as well. So um, thank you, uh, Patrick yeah. and the team. So. Absolutely. A, a huge thank you to Patrick, who's, who's coordinated uh, virtually all of the activity and, uh, and made sure we're all in the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, we would be lost without him. So. Yeah. So look, with that, um, look, thank you again, Mark. Thank you, Anna. Um, we do hope to be back again soon uh, with more stories, more insights, uh, talking about the value of, of SAP Integrated Business Planning. But until then, thank you all for listening.